This is Channel 253 Sports. In 2004, 30 years after the birth of the Seattle Sounders, a crack podcasting unit was sent to prison by a federal court for a crime they didn't commit. These men and women promptly, well, eventually, escaped from a minimum security luxury prison camp to the Tacoma Underground. Today, still wanted by the Timbers Army for dropping trial in front of Jeltwin, they survive as supporters of fortune. If you need a hot take, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the Flounders BT. Hey everybody, this is Steve and you are listening to the Flounders B-Team Podcast. That's right, this is Season 2, Episode 18. We are recording here at the iconic Georgian Dragon Pub right here in Fremont, Seattle, Washington. And I am here with the one and only... Jackson Feltz. How you doing, man? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. (laughs) It's really great to have you here, man. Uh, um, Jackson Feltz, of course, is a broadcaster with KJR in Seattle, and uh, he's the host of Sounders Weekly as well as the Sounders postgame show uh, since KJR took over broadcast partnership with uh, Sounders FC this year. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. You know, it was the sort of thing where I started covering the team a few years ago, and I was so excited when, when our station was able to get the broadcast rights. And being on pregame, postgame, and, and doing this weekly show on Tuesdays at 7 on KJR has just been the biggest joy of my life, uh, outside of marrying uh, my wife, of course. Uh, but to do this show has just been absolutely a joy. Absolutely. Also in studio with us today, actually actually in pub with us today. Could just say actually a couple more times? The illustrious. The illustrious, the bald, the beautiful, the pink-shirted. I should have worn. I should use that mic. Uh, Tim Hamilton here. Let's move on. Timothy Hamilton, how you doing, buddy? Muff top model on the Twitter. I am great. We are here at the Georgia Dragon. It's hot, but uh, it's we've acc- uh, acclimated. Is that the right word? We're, we're getting there. We're absolutely getting there. Today. I've been using the air conditioning in the car uh, kind of sparingly. Of course, it's uh, July 26, thousand eighteen. This is the day after the glorious victory. Well, the victory. Uh, of Sounders FC over the San Jose Earthquakes down there in, um, uh, where do they play? What's that? Avaya Stadium. Avaya Stadium in San Jose or outside of San Jose. You fly in, you you think you're going to land the plane in the stadium. Yeah, right there at the airport. Okay. So you don't have to get a cab. Just grab your bags and go. Just walk. Excellent, excellent. Okay, so no, today, of course, we're going to... smaller enough to get through security. <laughs> <laughs> Clear bags they only. They get smaller and smaller. It's like, it's like the stadium. Yeah. Clear bags only. Clear bags only at Avaya, too? Yeah. Oh, okay. I have no idea. Oh, okay. But if you're going to fly, fly with clear bags. You ever been down to Avaya, Jackson? I have not. Uh, okay. I, I do want to go because I've heard the setting is, is definitely kind of a... a it, it, the, the setting of watching planes while you're actually in the press box and kind of having to realize you're right next to an airport, that seems like something I would want to experience at least once in my life. It's right be distracting. It yes, probably makes, exactly. probably makes the military flyovers a little bit easier when they're doing the yeah. patriotic days, right? Yeah. All right. Um, so, of course, we're going to talk about that. And uh, pretty much that's the, the primary topic, topic, of course, except uh, Jackson. We want to learn a lot about you. You're a, a big part of this ecosystem now, and we want to get to know you, and, and our fans want to get to know you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's really great to have you on the show. So, so what? How long have you been in the Seattle area? Yeah, so I grew up in Kirkland. Uh, oh, okay. Went to Lake Washington High School. All right, so you're local. Yep, and then I came over to here, Seattle Pacific University, for college. Fair uh, enough. And then while I was going to SPU, uh, I connected with Mike Gastineau, who used to host Seattle Soccer Talk right, right here, here at the Georgian Dragon. Right here at the Georgian Dragon. I remember coming down here in, in I don't know if it was 2013, 2014. 2013, 2014, yeah. 
it was yeah. 2013 or 14, and I remember we would come down here, and, and right after I'd finished producing the show, and and we'd share a couple beers and talk Sounders, and you know, uh, I always was a Sounder fan, you know, growing up around here, and then once they became FC, then it really jacked up, like, yeah. like great, now it's part of MLS, but it wasn't, I would say, until I really kind of got to KJR and started working really closely with, with Gastineau that I really developed this intense, fiery, just burning passion for this team. Because he, what, what Gas did, I think, better than anybody else in my life is, is show me to just go after what I love. And, and that's kind of a big reason why I wanted to, to get into following this team and covering this team and doing what I'm doing now is because I really do love this team and everything it stands for and everything it's a part of. How did you get into broadcasting uh, to begin with? Did you do? Is there a broadcasting program at uh, uh, SPU? There's not. Uh, funny okay. enough, so I, I think the the first time I ever realized that I wanted to do something in sports broadcasting was when I was about nine years old. I, think I was like nine or ten years old, and I called in to New York Vinny on the radio from uh, from my family's cabin, and Ichiro was going through a slump at the time with the Mariners. And I was, I was a young little kid who didn't know anything. I was snot-nosed and, and you know, thought I was being <laughs> smart. So I called in New York Video, and they, for some reason, put me on the air. And, and, and I said, why is Ichiro going through this slump, New York Vinny? And, and it was the sort of thing where we had kind of a fun back and forth for a minute. And, and I just, you know, right then, it was kind of like, that was fun. And from there, I started, you know, for my video games, I'd play, you know, various baseball or football video games, and I would turn down the volume and announce the games themselves, and I developed this great love for, for, for broadcasting and, and, and sports and talking about sports. And I, I said to myself really pretty early on in my life, this is what I want to do. I want to find an ability to talk about sports. And it got sidetracked in high school for various reasons. And then in college... <laughs> Didn't we all? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. What is the three C's? Chicks, cars, and cash? Okay. Exactly. That'll do it. So, so I got sidetracked. But then in college, I came back around and said, what do I really want to do in life? I really want to talk about sports. So I, there was a great program at SPU called the Mentor Program where they'll connect you with professionals in your desired field. So I first got connected with uh, Rick Riz with the Mariners, went and did a job shadow of a, a, a game and said to myself, you know, I, I don't really want to call, call baseball games. It, you know, it's just, it's not what I'm looking to do. And then I got connected to uh, Kevin Calabro through another program. Wow. And uh, did a job shadow at 710 and that was fine. I, I, I won't say anything bad about 710. It just wasn't really what I was looking for. Yeah, leave that to us. <laughs> <laughs> but then I met Mike Gastineau. And he, oh, you know, we had a great two-hour chat down here at the Fremont Coffee Shop about, what is it, two-minute walk away right now? And, and we sat and talked for about two hours about the radio business. At that point, I then went in for a job shadow. All right. And job shadow, I was invited in for an internship with uh, Gas and Elise. And six months there, they, uh, they they kind of brought me on as a Tacoma Rainiers producer, and uh, okay. And after a year producing the Tacoma Rainiers baseball games out of out of our studios for the South Sound 850 at the time, uh, the next fall or next spring they brought me in as a assistant producer for Mitch in the Morning, uh, and it's kind of just progressed from there where. You know, I'm I'm still producing there and doing a lot of fun stuff. So your your focus in broadcasting has been sports broadcasting. It's always been sports. It's 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 never not been. I've always just had this giant passion for sports and talking about sports. Now you said um, 850. Now yeah, so is South that Sound, Yeah, so South Sound Sports 850 turned into South Sound Talk 850. Okay. So it's 
the, the now I want to say it's now a conservative talk station. So it's it's it used to be a sports station. If it's AM think, radio, it's conservative talk these days. Uh, there, yeah. there once was a time where you could get KJR, you know, a little bit further south in, in other areas. Now they had an FM at, at for a, a hot minute, and yeah, then Olympia. Now uh, most of the time, I live in Bonnie Lake, and the signal is touch and go. But um, what's is there? What's the best way to? I mean, I use the app, so. Yeah, you sound great on the app. The AM radio is <laughs> yeah, the iHeartRadio app. The iHeartRadio app is absolutely the thing to use. Uh, I mean, that it will connect you from anywhere in the world uh, with a good connection. And it, you know, uh, way I look at the iHeartRadio app is you have to create an account, and you can look put it through Facebook, you can put it through whatever. But it takes thirty seconds to sign up, and it's absolutely worth it to do it because then you can subscribe to podcasts like the Sounders Weekly podcast or yeah. the Cliff and Puck Show podcast that I produce. You know. <laughs> So it, it's super duper easy, but I understand the signal is it is what it is. You know, do we wish it was better? Yeah, but it is sure. what it is. Yeah. Um, so uh, on that note, uh, we did. I, I did try to listen to your last show on my on my podcast feed, and, and I didn't. I, I missed last night's uh, post game, and I missed last uh, uh, Tuesday's Sounders Weekly podcast. Uh, why is that? So, yeah, so what we did was uh, the audio that we use for, for podcasts, and I, I did this for the show that I produced for Cliff and Puck 10 to 1 on KJR. Uh, Cliff Averill, who just joined our team uh, with Jason Puck, it's a fantastic addition. Cliff Averill is just amazing on the air uh, and a great addition to our squad. So we switched and how I would use the audio. Um, that we used one method you know, to get it up onto iHeart, and now we switched back to an, another uh, way called Spreaker. And Spreaker is just a fantastic podcast tool. I absolutely love using it. So went back to that. So they're, they're, they're for, for those who aren't using the iHeartRadio app, there might be a, an issue hearing that. But again, for, for if you, you have the iHeartRadio app, then, then it, it's consistent. You can go listen to all of the stuff right now. Right on, and uh, we'll go right, ahead. Not, and not right, not right now. You're going to want to listen to this podcast right here. <laughs> then, after you listen to this podcast, Flanders B Team, then you're going to want to go listen to Sanders that's Weekly. honestly that's a, that's the best part about the the using the app is you can like you go to the game, you miss the post game just walking back to your car. Yeah, that's your like one of the fans that carries the headset because you you just can't have enough of it. <laughs> I get it, but I miss a lot of times. Well, now that I have a child, I'm usually on my way home before the post game starts. But it's because we leave early. Uh, 2018's been a rough year. Um, but I love the app, and and you can, you know, I know you love your advertisers, but uh, the the app a lot of times lets you just kind of uh, get through um, some of those. You just speed through it. Yeah, I mean, you really. I think I think you have to listen to one commercial when you when you sign on to it. And oh, listen that's to the first time. Okay, 30 seconds, and then you can listen to anything. So it's pretty easy. So They're trying to put on the uh, S2 game in the corner here so that we can see uh, S2 hopefully beat the Las Vegas Lights. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, Nate Bowling. Nate from Tacoma has already chimed in, wants to know where Felix Chinkum is, so we'll hopefully find out. Yeah. Doesn't look like he's in Nagel's the starting. playing instead, right? Where is, where is Felix Jankum? It's like he's in the witness protection program. Well, he's, he signed to, S, you know, signed to the mothership, but... But where's he been? Is he like in super secret special training somewhere? I don't have any info on Felix Chenkum, unfortunately. Okay. You know, I I, ha- I know some things, but but you know that's it's funny because we look at the Ford situation for this team right now, and I, it, it wasn't long ago that we were talking about well, is Felix Chenkum? You know, do we do we slide him up there and see what he can do at the Ford position? Oh, how times have changed very fast. <laughs> well, and we also had uh, uh, the gentleman that was 
relieved of his duties, relieved of his uh, position. Wolf? No, uh, forward from S. S oh, oh, to oh, oh. Well, Sinkum, Sinkum's still Atacoya. along with us. Atacoya. Atacoya. Yeah. And, like, that's kind of a mystery, so. But eh, is it we're that not, much of a mystery? I don't know. Oh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think there's some things that were said and maybe some, some uh, behavior that was just like, all right. You know, fine. Yeah, and that's kind of the that's kind of the the locker room chatter, I suppose. Yeah, we're yeah. not in the locker room. We aren't. I'm not. Uh, I'm in the Georgian Dragon Pub here, and you're listening to the Flounders B Team podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, again, of course, we're we're very happy to have Jackson Feltz with us and Tim Hamilton. Uh, and uh, hi, Riza. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> My wife here along for the ride tonight. Yeah, <laughs> just drink some water keeping cool it's actually nice and cool here it's dropped about 15 degrees in the last half an hour so uh they're doing a real good job the sun's going down and 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 we're getting ready to watch a match but um of course last night we had a match uh against san jose earthquakes and and what a match it was it was the the debut of raul ruidiaz um at least starting for the it was his second match of course but he uh he started for the first time after he had the the 30 minutes against vancouver uh, Tim, how do you think that turned out? Uh, it was a little, yeah, we, we got a goal, we got three points. It didn't seem like it was in the bag. I mean, I thought we, this is our one chance to just light a team up, and I was hoping that we would finally just have that, that, that Forrest Gump run in, breaks out of his, his shackles, and then he's just off the, I thought <laughs> that would be our moment to just run, like, really we have arrived, everything's going to be fine, <laughs> we got a W, it could have been a little bit more. It wasn't the prettiest match. Yeah. That's that's for absolute sure. Um, uh, Jackson, before we uh, get into lineups and stuff, what are your key takeaways from that match? Yeah, my key takeaway first off is that you're seven points from the red line. I mean, this is a team that, that has been trying to inch back little by little, and last night it took a big jump. And yep. frankly, they won a match they should have won. Now, I, I agree with you, Tim, in the sense of this, it should have been so much more dominating of a victory. And I don't know if it was a matter of overlooking them. It, you know, Brian Schmetzer can say, and he said it at halftime, that we aren't overlooking a team, you know, when we're this far in the standings. But still, players, you know, can go into it and say, we're facing the league's worst team with the lowest number of points, 12 on the season. It's a little bit easy to overlook a team. It really can. So you, you wanted a game that you should have, but they were. They were sometimes looking just a little bit not there. And, you know, Christian Roldan looked a little bit tired. Maybe he needed, uh, you know, to rest his legs a little bit. So I think ultimately you're looking at a team that was playing a midweek match that was just a little bit off their, off their game. But, listen, great teams win matches when they're off their game. Yep. And this Sounder team right now with Raul Rui Diaz, they're getting closer to being a great team. And if there's certain few more other pieces, you know, come in. Garth's talked about bringing in another attacking player. If Kelvin Leardham, you know, he starts in front of McCrary normally. Those few pieces, suddenly you're looking at a great team. Yeah, that one of the things that I was, I'm looking forward to is because we did have such a crummy start, the teams ahead of us are going to kind of look at us and we can be trap games for everyone out. Of course. We're, we're always going to be, oh, Seattle's down at the bottom of the table. And then you look at the stands like, oh, wait, no, they're not. They're fourth. Oh, oh, they're above the red line. But that's when you're like, oh, yeah. I guess we should have you know, tied our shoes a little bit tighter and actually got ready to play <laughs> because we laid out a path for so long. I mean, yeah, you said so we're playing a team at the bottom of the table. Well, we were the team at the bottom of the table. And in a lot of people's opinions, if you're not following the team on a day-to-day basis, you're still going to think we're just going to – that's our reputation. Now, we do have the reputation to claw on our way back the last couple of years, but 
not this not with this late of a uh, late of a start to the to the catch up right i mean um uh, we're so, not- yeah so let me give you yeah, a yeah. stat here i mean so 2015 i want to say there was one loss in the last 11 games 2016 two losses in the last 14 last year two losses in the last 16 it's a team that consistently goes on these huge second half yeah. runs oh absolutely and you know it, it's nice to be in that position you know a month ago where you're like gosh we're in this position again and we're relying on a second half run again but then once you actually see the run start happening and we're now undefeated in the last five it, it, the mindset does change and and that makes sense to some extent absolutely i, I definitely think the second half runs um, or I, I guess i'd ask a question of you jackson do you think the second half runs are a function of epic sax girl is going absolutely crazy they're That's doing national the, anthem. Like, Eric, it's guitar. Oh, okay. They're doing a uh, guitar, Jimi Hendrix guitar uh, at uh, at Cheney Stadium in Tacoma, and you're hearing that in the background can as you, they can you, you they begin to start the they begin to start the show uh, in Cheney uh, S2 against Las Vegas Lights. Um, at any rate, um, so do you think that the second half runs are a function of of, of primarily staffing decisions and roster instability at the beginning of the, uh, of the year every year? 100%. I mean, you look at the team, and, and the, the thing that's consistently happened over the last few years to create these second-half runs is getting guys in there. I mean, looking what they did last year with Kelvin Lerdam and, yep. and Victor Rodriguez, Victor Rodriguez was was huge in that second-half run they made last year, and the previous year, Nico Ladero. I mean, it is, it's very clear that this is by design, and, you know, just ignoring the first half of the season. It's by design that these second half runs are happening because Garth is bringing in great players sure. to right at the start of the second half. So is it by design in that he's okay writing off the first half of the season because he can he he, yeah. he thinks we're going to make a second half run? No, no, not okay. at all. Yeah, no, it, it has nothing to do with the first half when I say that it's by design the second half runs. Okay. We're ignoring the first half of the season. It's by design that the second half is going so well. It's not by design that the first half is not going so well. Are, okay. we, are we bringing in guys late in that second transfer window because it's just simply easier because it's in between FIFA calendars yeah. and all that? Or is it because it's cheaper to assign them to a year-and-a-half deal or two-and-a-half-year deal rather than a full MLS you know, season? I think it's the former because you look at the way the other leagues are set up around the world, and that is in the middle of their season, that window. So that is that's another word for that is the it's the desperate window where where other teams they're making their moves to, to to set themselves up for a championship run. So that's their you know it's they they players cost more and in and some players aren't available. Yeah. Now you get in this window it's the off season for the rest of the world. Yeah. So you see cheaper prices you, because there's less desperation around there's no desperation around the world because nobody started their season yet. So it's it's a totally different. You can want to say and Garth said this right after bringing in Rui Diaz, you can want to say, why didn't you bring in Rui Diaz you know, earlier on in the season after Morris got hurt? Why didn't you bring in this type of guy? Those type of guys and Rui Diaz, he isn't available in the right. earlier window. <laughs> like it's just, he, it's just not there. The and club's like, not going to let if, him go. Exactly. Yeah. And 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 listen, if if there are high quality players like him, the prices are going to be so insanely yeah. high that there's no way the Sounders or, or Garth would be in the right to make that kind of a deal. So you wait for the summer when guys like this do open up and you can bring them on for for you know a, a cheaper price, whatever that was. Do you have are there leagues that that we shop frequently? I mean, uh, 
the uh, uh, say like Scandinavia, for example. Now they're probably not going to be playing a whole lot in the winter. Are we finding the early season? You know, like like Wolf, like uh, well, Kelvin Leardam, or so, some of the guys from yeah you know, that have been played in in, in their division and whatnot. Are we shopping those leagues for our January transfer windows, and then the you know that maybe the Southern Europe or the Mexico for the South American for our second transfer window. That's a good question. I mean, I'd, I'd really have to go back and look at all of the transfers that Garth has done. And I'm trying yeah. to mentally do it right now as, we, as I speak. <laughs> trying to think about all of the guys he's brought in by window. You know, you think oh. about Magnus and the timing of that. That is a little bit interesting. Oh, yeah. so, so, so maybe it's a sort of thing where it, it just worked out timing-wise based around that league. I think to, to the, your earlier question, the latter point of just pricing. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with a player's value at a certain moment, what he's done in the first part of the season to a last part of the season in a various league, and, and that recent performance changing his price, I think, is, is, is probably a big thing. Because, I mean, like all good general managers, you watch player values, and you say, I'm going to buy, you know, buy low, sell high, right? You know, I look at the Vancouver Whitecaps. I mean, Alfonso Davies just oh, gave them crap. $22 million. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, that's great. Because he is a homegrown, they get they don't have to split that with anybody, right? That's exactly right. They are going to give a small chunk of change, it sounds like, to Edmonton, where he played his youth ball. But most of that 22 is going to go to the Vancouver Whitecaps, which is, you know, as another team here in Cascadia, um, I, I do a little bit worry about what they're going to go buy with that money. It's a nice chunk of change. Maybe they reopen their, uh, uh, their, their farm team, their... USL team. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm blanking on the team's name right now in my mind. Don't but I know they play in Fresno or something now? Or isn't uh, that yes, that's right. They that's do play in Fresno guys. now. Exactly. But, uh, you know, I think it has a lot to do with just the values of players and trying to find the right value at the right price, you know, at the right quality, and then on, in the right position you need. And frankly, with Magnus, that's a guy they brought in where they thought it was going to work out with, with Jordan Morris and that speed and those two connecting. And you saw some flashes of brilliance with, with, with Magnus in the Toronto game. Oh, you, you saw s- the ball he played. Yeah. To, oh, my God. I mean, you, you saw that this is a quality player, but it just ultimately didn't fit what they were trying to do. Well, okay. So, and that brings up a question I, I, uh, I, I think I brought up on our, our last show. So... <laughs> There, there seems to be a disconnect in that, in that, uh, in that logic. If Schmetzer says uh, and Lagerway says that, that the 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 reason we we let go of Ikram, Wolf Ikram, is because he needed to be able to connect to a speedy forward who could be a target <laughs> and go nuts in the box, and then we doesn't remind drop me of anybody Wolf, the team it, has right exactly, now. exactly, <laughs> and and so there. It, it, to, in my mind, there seems to have there there has to be something else going on because a did we score? We just that was a, that was the first or second minute goal right yeah, now. Oh, that's minute fantastic! And a half, everyone's happy. Wow. So who 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 sunk it? That guy, <laughs> that guy right there. The <laughs> it's a little blurry. The blurry hey. kid. That's a Cuts nice it move. back across. The, oh wow! Oh, that's a beautiful <laughs> move. Right, the so. initial move right at the top of the box, though. Oh, okay. that's a great goal. Is that uh, the kid from the islands? Uh, the ones that nobody can pronounce his name. Well, we're about to find out. I haven't even seen Hopiao. Hopiao. Yeah, that's Maybe? Shannon Hopiao, I think. Hey, Larry, I see you on television. All right, good times. Okay, yeah, good times. Samuel okay. Cho is not going <laughs> to um, rip us apart today. So yes, it does not. Rem- it doesn't remind us of anybody <laughs> that we have on staff right now. Uh, and, and in my mind, yeah. it, it 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 makes me think: a, w- a signing like Rudiaz does not happen overnight. 
B, uh, something else, it, it just seems like something else had to have been happening with, with, with Wolf. And, you know, uh, how quickly he signed back with, uh, uh, Vol- uh, what's, what's the name of his of the club he just signed Fall, with? Folk? Nobody knows. Falsehood. Uh, but anyway, he, it doesn't he matter. He signed pretty yeah. quickly, and that was he actually did. beneficial to us. And, so the, we well, must have. It's, how beneficial to us was it? Because we get we, half a we, salary we don't have to pay. Well, okay, but we didn't get anything out of it. We just didn't well, spend we got, money. We got, I mean, we got that money back, I would say. Here's what we did get out of it, an international yeah. roster spot. Yeah. That that is invaluable because now it allows this team to go bring in another TAM DP sure. whatever loan and 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 you suddenly you're looking at that international roster spot not being an issue with Magnus gone so that's I think ultimately listen I, I understand the point you're making which sure. is which is you have a speedy and it really guy doesn't, now, and it really, doesn't really at the end of the day it doesn't really matter so much if we've got something else in the pipeline yeah. and there's a lot of rumors uh, circulating of course around one um, Paulo uh, Paulo Hurtado uh, out of Peru as well. And, Never heard of um, him. Yeah, Never exactly. <laughs> and I'm sure he's going to be absolutely fantastic in that role. And if if that's if that ends up being the signing, um, I'm I'm very interested in the potential for how that's financially structured because I'm a little bit a little bit of a numbers nerd as far as that goes. And I know there are some limitations in the current TAM structure. And obviously, we don't have the DP slot, and 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 that certainly uh, uh, presages some designated player shifts next year yeah i mean it's an interesting concept there of, of how do you put a guy who should be making dp money onto your team when you don't have an open dp slot yeah. and, and i thought there that i've you know I've, I've been reading enough to kind of figure out what an options are is potentially a loan yeah and to say let's say let's loan them to us and then next year when clinton dempsey potentially we'll get, we'll get off, you on the off back the team, end. Yeah. then boom he becomes a dp and yeah. it's nico Paolo and and uh, Ni, uh, yeah, and Rui. <laughs> yeah. Does he go by Rui? Uh, it's what I've been calling him. Okay. I've, I haven't heard anybody else say it yet, so I'm starting trying to start the trend. Oh, fair enough. It ju- it's so much easier than saying Raul Rui or Rui Diaz. Diaz. Just saying, oh, yeah. yeah. And then guys like James Wollard, Brit Fox. What what does he do? He just says <laughs> yeah, he, he does the easy part. He says Raul, and the rest of us are like Rui. <laughs> okay. So, now um, you mentioned you earlier the the GMs and and the the scouting. They're they're more than just instant. They're looking two or three transfer windows down the road. So you can't plan on on Jordan Morris, you know, not having a, a knee explosion in the first half of the yeah. first game. So you aren't uh, going to think that you're going to need to sign a fast nine. That's he's not what you're going He's for. supposed to last forever. Yeah. So and 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 of course with the San Jose game, which we're going to get to the lineups here, I think in a minute, um, uh, Rudia has got subbed out uh, pretty early. And in my mind, of course, we're thinking, of course, we want to save him for for strong offensive options in the second half. Uh, for, uh, uh, against NYCFC, uh, or uh, you know, wait till their defense is gassed, or uh, we were wearing, or just start them strong. We we're wearing white heritage kits, so <laughs> all bets are off. We just want to get this kid in bubble wrap and on ice as quick well, as possible. Well, yeah, and, there, and he looked a little salty for sitting down, but I, I think I mean he's a team player, obviously. Listen, he hasn't played ninety minutes since May sixth. It's been a long time yeah, since true, he's played true. a full ninety minute game. And I think uh, I think a lot of people and I got a lot of people on Twitter like, why is Rui Diaz coming? I don't understand what Brian Spencer's doing, and you know a lot of hate there. The guy hasn't played ninety in a long time. He, yeah. he needed. He played thirty against Vancouver. 
He plays 60 against against uh, San Jose. That tells me that he'll be able to play yeah. 60 or even 90 against New York City. Yeah, on, and that's on gonna, that's not going to be a cakewalk either. No, I mean, so yeah. it's, it's interesting. We were uh, right as I was walking into the Georgian Dragon here, looking at what New York City is doing tonight in Orlando. They were up two nothing last night. Yeah, that's what I saw too. And they were they weren't starting David Villa, so he is probably going to play here in Seattle, and uh-huh. that makes NYC. A very dangerous, dangerous team it means I would probably guess you're going to have to score two goals if you want three points. Yeah, which makes which means ultimately to wrap it back around, starting Rui Diaz. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, what does that lineup look for San Jose, man? All right, bum uh, bum. Fry in the back. Tolo, uh-huh. Kihi, Torres, and McCrary are back for first time. We had uh, Torres in the lineup since God forever. Since he, he April twenty second twisted an ankle during the World Cup and then came out what fifty minutes in. Yep. And then uh, Marshall's sitting on a bruise somewhere. Bruce thigh, bruise Bru- some bruise ego. <laughs> yeah, calf. bruise chin. So right, bruise right chin, right calf bruise. contusion as okay. I understand it. All right. I like to go with bruise chin um, uh, from uh, Joseph. <laughs> that works out. Uh, Ozzy and Svensson there's our D mids and then ship rolled on and Ladero. Uh, across the middle and are attacking and then uh, one happy birthday Raul Rui Dewey Rui, Rui Dewey that guy Rudy <laughs> Rudy Dewey Rudy Dewey Rudy Dewey uh, so lineups for San Jose I, I really don't recognize half of these guys in goal they have Tarbol uh, Lima Kashia Cummings and Salinas back four uh, Vaco Youngworth Felipe and, and Haika or Hika however you want to pronounce it as their attack they're a 4 and up top they get Husin and Wando Wandolowski. Who looked also a little tired, a little over tanned. Gray in the beard. Yeah. Looked like he had yeah. a, like a gray five o'clock shadow. Yeah, he's turning into one of those uh, one of those old school legends now. I, he probably didn't have gray until this season. <laughs> you know Wondolowski is is done, is is kind of getting up there in age. Yeah, yeah. When the Sounders are leading one zero and they don't give up a Wando goal in the last ten minutes. Exactly. That's, that's what I was saying. Just hold on, here it comes. Hold on, here it comes. <laughs> So we got the sorry first half action. Twenty minutes in, uh, Ladero had, yeah, a, had, had a good a co- cross to the near post. Ship was running from left to right, from far to near. Turned and whacked it with his right, but uh, just just got deflected away, and then ended up right at the feet of uh, of the birthday boy. His first touch was a tiny bit heavy, yeah, and uh, uh, you know ran about maybe three four feet in front of him, and the keeper was able to kind of meet him right at the ball. So they he knocked the ball out of bounds for a goal kick, but. That was instantly, you know, awesome. <laughs> it looked exciting, and he had some he had some good looks against uh, uh, against uh, uh, Vancouver as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I he uh, well, we saw that. Yeah, he he turned and, and whacked a ball. The keeper was pretty much just kind of trying to cover space, and he got an arm on it. He looked almost as surprised that he made the save yeah. as everybody else did. <laughs> but yeah, uh, later he ends up scoring a goal, but. Uh, that, that quality on that guy, he just brings it down with his chest and that fires the way far he post. the way he settled that ball was absolutely he he he. It's like he got rid of the the ball spin with his chest, like he flexed his right pectoral just enough to to drop that thing right at his feet and and goes off with it. And you, that's one of our complaints, I think, for the rest of the uh, the rest of the team right now, or at least for the rest for the the first part of the season, is nobody knows how to just take a single touch yes. and and make something happen. You have a lot of guys who want to kind of dance around and, and yeah. find find a nice shot in the box before actually just shooting it. The beauty of Rui Diaz is if he has 
any sliver of an opening, he's yeah. going to shoot that ball. Absolutely. I, mean, I think it was the first or the second minute, there's a chance for Rui Diaz that he hits about five feet wide left. And, and it, just in the instant, in the first minute, you're going, ooh, doesn't matter. He's not going to take a second look to try to get it to maybe somebody who has a better chance. He's just going to shoot. And yep. that's what this team needs right now. It needs a shooter. And, I mean, we saw it right there in the 60-second minute. And if you're going to have that shooter, you also need somebody in the box to collect the garbage too, right? Yes. I mean, you need another player forward, and and I think that's the role that that one of the roles that Victor Rodriguez can play significantly for the rest of the season, provided he stays healthy. We're, what we've been missing is is you know back to you were talking about the first touch. It's just a yep. quality first touch. Yeah. Now, you you can trap it in the direction you want to go. That means you're taking an extra touch away. All the, every time you touch the ball, somebody's closing down on you. So yep. if you want to take the ball off your chest and you turn at the same time, you put it right out in front of you, away from your defender. That means the ball's sitting down for yeah. you when you want to hit it the next time. Th- that doesn't happen. You know, We talk a lot on our show about just the time it takes to go from your knee back down to the ground because your touch is bad. That's two or three steps or even one and a half step, a step for anybody that's got any pace on them. You just don't have that much time and the, and the brains on these guys they're thinking two or three plays ahead where us rec players you know we can't even not look at the ball <laughs> you know we're staring yeah. at the ball the whole time we don't know who to pass it to anymore and ultimately that's what made the first half so difficult to watch as a fan of both teams yeah. the first touches were so bad across i mean i mean if, if anything was special for seattle they, they probably would have scored but there was a lot of just you know chances that could have been for seattle that ended up not happening, you know, and 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 ultimately that comes down to I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, just just the midweek match, you know, against your last place team, you know, just not every not every brain connection is happening, right. not everything's just happening a hundred percent as as it needed to be, but you know, ultimately, like I said, great teams get the win and they did. So is that a, a concentration issue? Is that a a tactical issue? What, what do you think about that? I think I think it's an issue of just uh, some guys who are tired. I mean, Christian Roldan just looked tired. He did. Yeah. Listen, he he had a tough game, but it wasn't a tough game because he had a bad game. It was a tough game because the dude's been playing ninety minutes yeah. over and over and over yes. and over and over Multiple again. Multiple times a week. Yeah, he s- need, he needs a day off. You can save a little bit of adrenaline for Portland, but San Jose does not stand the hairs on the back of your neck up for anything. No. So you 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 don't have any reserves for it's. It's amazing, Christian Roldan, uh, the role that he has played um, uh, in 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 being both a strong defensive uh, defensive midfielder and also a, a great central attacking midfielder. Uh, just just he he has been absolutely phenomenal uh, in his development and his his leadership of the squad. Let me just quickly ask both Go of you for guys because I always love getting everybody's yeah. different opinions on stuff. What is Christian's best position? And that's—I know it's a—it's a difficult right back. question. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I love that answer. I love it. Well, I mean, what is his best position, or what do we—we've had the most success when he's probably either the six or the eight. Um, I think probably the eight because he can go box to box and not have to, you know, protect the uh, uh, the back line. But right. I mean. If we have Ozzy, then he works fine. If we have Svensson, he works fine. I don't know what he's going to be like with, with you know, Jordy Dellen back there, but because we've we've never pigeonholed him, we've put him in dang near every spot. We put him up top. He's scoring plenty of goals. He's you know fishing the ball off the line in the back. He does everything. I haven't seen him 
he is like the Mike McGee. I'm sure if you give him a goalie shirt, it's going to be down to his socks. (laughs) He's a fantastic utility player. help us. Absolutely. What, What do you think? I mean, he can do just about everything. There were times when I thought Christian's best position was the number 10. And, and I thought he, last year he was fantastic there, you know, in, in the time he spent. And it looked like he was really good at distributing the ball, especially with Nico out wide, Victor on the other side, and mm-hmm. then had Will, up, Will or Jordan up top. There were, there were times where, yes, that is clearly the position that he should be playing. And then last night, I, I, God, I wish he wasn't just exa- a little bit exhausted from what it appeared. Because I feel like if he's 100% and at the 10, he could do some really magical things. As it stands, I think he's probably better at the six or eight. You know, I, I think you're right. For that right reason, now. We, we talk sometimes on the show, just he's tenacious and the way he puts his body, he's a ball winner. You try to dribble past him, he will knife himself in between you and the ball and you have to, you're, you're already behind him. You have to foul him whether you meant to or not. <laughs> you just end up collapsing and yeah. tackling him. But that's, he puts, he, bless his heart he puts yeah. himself in a lot of precarious positions to just get bowled over by people so, and sometimes it works out for penalties so in, in the unlikely event uh that that <laughs> is that your juju that ozzy alonzo <laughs> happens to leave the team next year is is christian roldan a suitable replacement in that role or do we need to sign somebody that's just a solid defensive midfielder um if- and not just the utility player. If we didn't just lose one uh, Narbonne to a leg break, I thought Tough. he might have been able to uh, to be the you know the the apprentice, the 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 heir apparent. God, that was a terrible. So to answer your question, yeah, I don't think they need to sign anybody. I think I think as long as you keep Jordy Dilemma on the team, he is a suitable guy to have <laughs> as your third, guy. you know, your th- your third, third holding guy. midfielder yep. guy. Yep. And you have Gustav and Christian as those two guys, and yep. they are about as locked in. Now, a big those are factor, anchor positions. Yeah. Yeah, I think a big factor into all of this is what sort of formation you're playing. Yeah. Because you know, Garth keeps saying he's going to bring in another attacking player. Is that another forward? Is that a winger? Yeah. I mean, because if it's a forward, then you're clearly looking at this team switching to a 4-4-2 or a diamond. Yeah. And and it, 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 there is absolutely no way that they bring in Rui Diaz and if it's another forward and then Will Bruin, I guess, becomes the third forward. There's no way that happens and they don't run that, you know, that sort of system. Which, by the way, Brian Schmitzer ran a diamond in the preseason and it had great success with it. He knows the diamond, so it, we had it, Jordy and, and and the Wolf. If a new player was a forward, they would switch to that. If yeah. it's a winger, then that maybe continues. Then the the four two three one. In which case, then Will Bruin is the second forward. Rui Diaz starts, and Will comes on, and you can continue holding both Svensson and rolled on in the midfield. We'll just All be right. happy that. When one guy goes down, we're not just decimated, hoping for yeah. zero zero ties for the rest of the season. That, no way. That's been that's been the struggle, absolutely. Next um, man up like a Pez, like Pez dispenser. <laughs> just, loop, loop, next loop. Guy and it sounds I don't know specifics, but things sound okay for Victor Rodriguez. Yeah. Yeah. Does not oh. sound like it's really bad. Sound like so, it's a little bit of a pull. Yeah, so so it sounds like we are going to get him back sooner rather than later. Yeah. So it's not a devastating hamstring like we've seen in recent months. Absolutely, and 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 with Vic and with Victor Rodriguez, um, the the off season injury that turned into the plague for him was it was a knee based injury, wasn't it? 
Um, was it a misdiagnosed like MCL yeah. or something like that? Yeah, uh, I I honestly can't recall right now. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, when when this team is fully healthy in a few weeks, yeah. and, and whoever comes in, you know, you're looking at it's just an outstanding soccer team. That I, I think, shoot, just on paper, I think they could be depending on who they bring in, the best team in the West. And if they sneak into the playoffs, then watch out because this is a team that could go to another MLS Cup. This is this is my biggest fear is that we're going to do what the Mariners do every year and just play great baseball or great soccer leading into nothing. You know, just a just an opportunity. You know, the off season, everybody gets cold. You know, once once we're mathematically, you know, in the dust, we're we're gonna, it's going to be a fun nothing. game to watch. But it's all for nothing. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I don't, we're seven points yeah. down. We're not out. I, no, I'm, absolutely. I'm just going to follow history and the fact that this team consistently has just kept coming back and making these playoff runs. We're already seven points from the red line. A win against New York, and depending on what happens. And by the way. Looking at the teams who are in front of us in the Western Conference, they all play each other this week. Yeah. So the, people are going to beat up on each other. It's going to give a chance to get closer to the red line. And we've just seen this over and over and over that this team makes these runs. And it, it's, it's hard for me to expect anything less than another one. All right. Uh, with that, uh, you're listening to the Flounders B-Team Podcast with Jackson Feltz and Tim Hamilton. I'm Steve Kettleson. We're going to take a little bit, little bit of a break, and uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes. Thank you. everybody this is steve and you are back with the flounders b team podcast we are in the iconic georgian dragon pub here in fremont seattle washington i'm of course in the pub with mr jackson feltz of kjr radio hey how's it going guys good to be back good man at jackson kjr on the twitters if you're looking to follow that cat and of course mr muffin top model himself (laughs) tim hamilton (laughs) i'm here drinking at carlsberg uh, working out, working out the muffin top, adding some calories and some lbs. Girl, look at that body. Girl, look at that body. I don't work out. <laughs> and of course, I'm uh, at Podfish on Twitter. Follow us at Flounders B Team on Twitter. Uh, subscribe at floundersbteam.com uh, or you can go to iTunes, you can go to Stitcher, you can go to Player FM, and uh, basically anywhere fine podcasts are distributed. Except for Spreaker. <laughs> Spreaker and iHeartRadio. Yeah. Uh, Spreaker and iHeartRadio is where you can find Jackson Feltz's programs, at, um, including Sounders Weekly and, of course, the pre- and post-game shows uh, that KGR produces in conjunction with Sounders FC. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. We, uh, we do a lot of great broadcasts every Tuesday. Sure. Uh, if you want to listen live, which I know is difficult here in this day and age, live radio, <laughs> but uh, 7 p.m., on 9.50 a.m. on your dial. Uh, but again, iHeartRadio app is just a beautiful thing to use. Listen live because you have advertisers that spend money yes. on your program. And if you have a people meter, I, I'm not sure if anybody out there has a people meter, then please, 9.50 a.m. all day, every day. 
if you have a people meter, is that like a Nielsen's rating situation? Yeah, ultimately the people meter measures yeah who's listening. So just yeah. leave it on KJR twenty four seven. Yeah, exactly. Simple as that. Uh, it, it's good if you if you have dogs in the house that you have to leave home all day. <laughs> they it's want either NPR or radio. KJR. You're right, it's exciting. <laughs> the the people are energetic. They're like, hey, what's going on? I don't know, but they sound that great. We want to finish our analysis of the San Jose match. Talk a little bit about some some key players and some decisions uh, that may have happened in the game. Maybe some of the some of the not so bright spots uh, to look at and focus on how we can improve for the rest of the season. Of course, we want to learn more about Jackson's uh, relationship with the Sounders uh, through KJR and iHeartRadio and how that partnership is going. And 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 I, I I you know as a as somebody that's that's interested in broadcasting and and produces a show, I want to hear about how that uh, how that show's produced and 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 what are the nuts and bolts behind uh, how that how that goes together. So. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just kind of in a nutshell yeah. really quick, I guess. So I am really kind of in close contact all week with Alex Caulfield of, of the Sounders, sure. uh, of the Sounders um, and media and, and PR and, and, and talking to how to get, you know, players on and, and when players on and Matt Winter also and, and Kelly Schultz as part of their team. They're fantastic to work with. So I work with them every single week in terms of, who to talk with in terms of players, making sure Garth is available, um, and, and checking with the, his availabilities. And then other people, like, you know, this last week on the podcast, I had Mark Nichols, the academy director. And and with Mark Nichols on, it was, you know, getting it set up in advance and making sure he was available at a certain time and I had enough time with him. So, and then once you kind of have those, you know, and then every single week I either have one of my analysts on who are with the 950 KJR broadcast. So Pete Fewing, Seattle University head soccer coach, Danny Jackson, former center's captain, Wade Weber, S2 assistant coach, who's in action tonight. Sounds like they're having a pretty good night so far. Yeah. Uh, as well as Andrew Harvey, who fills in for Matt Johnson sometimes. We've, I've had Matt Johnson on as well. You know, I, I stick with them kind of in my first segment. And then my second segment's always Garth Bloggerway. And that third segment, I fill in with a player or... You know, this last week, Mark Nichols filled into the big segment. Garth Bloggerway is a little bit short of a, shorter of an interview, sure. but he was in the final segment. So I feel kind of that way every week. And from there, I fill the hours. I write up the questions. I have it all ready to go. I have the necessary promotional stuff that I need. And then I have my buddy Nate Nelson, Niner Nate. He runs the board, and we put on a really good show. And, and every Tuesday at 7, we, we, we do some uh, what I think is – you know, the best hour of Sounders radio you're going to hear uh, all week in the city outside of games. Absolutely. Uh, you guys do a, f- a fantastic job. It's absolutely a very well-produced Thank show. You. And, and and you know, it, 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 to the point where it's it's so well-produced, it almost seems like it's scripted sometimes. <laughs> but we were talking a little bit about the break, about how you kind of you, you groom the questions to uh, get some of the answers that you're looking for. Yeah. I mean, listen, like, I know that uh, certain things that can and can't be said. Absolutely. Like, listen, Garth Lagerway, when, when they were in the process of acquiring Rui Diaz, I understand that all he's going to say, and we still asked him the question, is what can you tell us about Raul Rui Diaz? You know, please give a comment towards these rumors. And he gives the classic line that he gave uh, uh, us last year when I hosted the uh, Radio Cascadia Live on KGR, which was, uh, we can't talk about players not on the team. And that's the simple company line. Bum, bum. Yeah, exactly. So you know what you're going to get. <laughs> so there's a whole bunch of rumors out there right now about various guys joining the team, one specifically. So I know I can't ask about that guy because he's just going to give me the company answer of, we can't talk about players not on the team. 
So I try to ask questions that revolve around the player, revolve around the rumors, that give a little bit more insight. And you know, and 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 that I think helps to kind of fill in the gaps where Sounder fans who listen to Sounders Weekly they don't want to hear. You know, we can't talk about players not on the team. Right, that's they not They want to hear about, you know, the question I asked Garth here on the last week on the podcast, and I won't tell you what he said so that you go listen <laughs> to, the, to the podcast on iHeartRadio. Uh, but I asked him, how much does national and cultural familiarity play when signing players? Which the rumors are around another Peruvian player. So it kind of makes sense. And, you know, I asked him, how do, you know, is a loan on the table? Could a loan possibly, possibly be you know, a potential, you know, option to sign a guy. So I ask questions that revolve around guys without asking about them themselves, which works really well to get answers out of him that help to fill in the gaps of the puzzle that that says, is this a realistic option for the team to sign? If if a certain if a certain player if if Hurtado for instance were signed, um, we talked a little bit on the last show about some of the limitations around that and how we can work around that sort of budgetary issue if that were to be uh, if that were to come to pass. How would a deal like that be structured? Well, I think the there's a number of ways to work it out financially, and I'm not a financial person. My dad's a CPA, but I have no idea how exactly all those finances would work. What I do know is one option would potentially be a loan, which would be That's to... That's certainly been floated, to, yeah. To, yeah, have him come over on a loan, and then when Clint Dempsey is off the books next year as a, as a designated player, you transition you transition a designated player, quality player, no idea who that would be, <laughs> into, into the designated player spot, the third designated player spot. That would be that player... Uh, Rui Diaz and Ladero. So that could be an option if they're indeed looking at a guy like that. So if if we are looking at uh, dropping a designated player or two uh, yeah, in, 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 the, Aussie, in the season, because right? there, there's always the opportunity to sign a, 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 another person in this transfer window, right? Um, if there is another designated player coming along, um, is it likely that that Alonzo's going to leave, that uh, Clint Dempsey's going to leave? Uh, what are your thoughts on that, just personally? Yeah, so right now, I mean, Alonzo, they transitioned him down to a TAM player. Alonzo is a guy who I have been, uh, uh, I wouldn't say critical, but I've been worrying that he's at the point in his career where he's losing his step. He had a great game against San Jose. Yeah, you know, absolutely. He corrected on, I think, sorry, he uh, connected on all but two of his passes. He had a great game. And, and that leads you to believe that the guy isn't losing a step. He's just working to get back. He isn't 90 minutes fit yet. And he's still an exceptional defensive midfielder for this team. So at that point, by, by rule of elimination, it's Clint Dempsey. And I don't think that he is a starting caliber player anymore on this team. He is a super sub who can play a really good 30 minutes mm-hmm. and have a chance to score and can help out the attack in that 30-minute period. Unless that net is open. I really enjoyed I enjoyed uh, how that uh, substitution worked uh, last time. We talked about Christian Roldan and his flexibility um, and his utility in that in in the number number six role, and having a lot ha- having the ability to have uh, Alonso subbed out, have Alex uh, shift back to that number or Alex Christian Roldan shift back to that number six, and have Clint Dempsey take uh, take uh, Christian Roldan's role. Was absolutely a phenomenal, uh, a phenomenal. I don't know if it's an innovation, but it's it's certainly a, a phenomenal way to to 
to have a lot of options, a lot of options when you're looking at 18 players. That's that's also what when, one of the things we've talked about is why is Roldan at right back again? Why is why is Leardom at at you know a, a winger spot? It's that's because the flexibility we have that's not his ideal spot. But later in the game, we're going to yeah. need to pull this guy and then put him back there and then move and on Sunday. <laughs> and on Sunday, when David Villa is hanging around, we're going to want. You know. Yeah, Kelvin's going to be absolutely needed there at right yeah. back. You know, it's it, the, the change that Brian Schmitzer made to put Dempsey on for Alonzo was so interesting to me because you're leading one nothing, and you're taking off a defensive player in Alonzo for a an offensive player who doesn't really track back on defense in Dempsey. <laughs> so it, it confused <laughs> it confused me a lot, and and ultimately, you know, listen, Dempsey almost gets his. You know what would have been, and I, I think the soccer gods kind of spoke here because listen, poor guy. for those who don't know, he's currently tied with Freddie Montero for 47 goals in the MLS regular season for this club with Freddie Montero. So Clint Dempsey's looking at one MLS regular season goal, giving him that mark. I think the soccer gods jumped in and said, "Boy, Clint, you have a chance to get that record on an open goal in in added time of a one nothing win." You deserve yeah, better than that, Clint. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the soccer gods jumped in and said, We're, "Not today." You need to score a little bit more of a meaningful goal to get that record. So, so that that factored in, but it, it confused me a little bit because I like that framing, by the way. That's, yeah. that's a good framing. <laughs> so, so I think that they needed to stay defensive there, and, and Schmetzer didn't. Dempsey right now is a player you bring on if that game was zero zero, and you need a goal because he is an offensive threat. But uh, ultimately, he's a guy who plays a great thirty minutes. And I'm not sure how much more he can give right now. Just listen, listen, listen. Time is undefeated. You know, age will always go up, and and yeah. the, the guy's getting up there, and he only has so many minutes on his legs every week. Ultimately, Clint Dempsey is is a player right now who is going to be a big part of this team for the rest of 2018, Yeah, but off the bench, and specifically off the bench. Uh, other other interesting performances in the match, uh, we talked a little bit on the break about Juan uh, uh, Tolo Nuhu. Oh, okay, okay. Go ahead. No, you were highly I was, critical. I was, I was highly critical of, of Ladero. It yeah. just looked like he was forcing passes, and they just weren't, uh, weren't any, any, pa- any through ball, any... It just doesn't see. He, he gave the ball away like like Oprah does Kia's. So one might say that uh, that if if you're forcing passes, it's because your 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 targets aren't where they're supposed to be. Is that a uh, how much truth is in in how much truth exists in that analysis? Yeah, I think. Listen, having Ladero play out wide and Roldan at the ten. Yeah, and Roldan, who was so obviously he needed he needed a day off, and he didn't get it. <laughs> I, I mean. I think it was a tough day for Ladero just because he didn't have a lot of help around him. And he, had, he has Rui Diaz. If Ladero's playing in the 10, he has a much better day. Uh, absolutely. He, has to, he had to you know, help out a lot down in the midfield. You saw him kind of running around a lot in this game, just trying to find passes and trying to find the ball and trying to do more than, than he <laughs> do more than he should have been able, you know, should have done. And, and it was a lot to ask of Nico Ladero. He had a tough day because, because he had so many other things to worry about in that game. And I wish they would have put maybe Roldan out wide, but maybe they put him at the 10 because they, they knew he didn't have the legs to be out wide. 
And in that case, you have to shift Ladero out there. You know, it's funny. We talked about, we were talking, just talking a few minutes ago, talking about depth on this team yeah. and how much depth there is. Yeah. But with Rodriguez's injury, suddenly now you have another depth it's, issue yeah. in midweek games. So yeah, you have to yeah. put Ladero out wide. You have to put Christian to the 10. Yep. And suddenly you look at these issues happening again. You know, so it, it's a product of just another injury. But ultimately, you know, Ladero, Ladero had, had a tough game, and I agree with you. But it, it's a factor not of around Ladero, but just around what's around him. So new who I want to talk a little. Let's bit talk about new who. who. Yes, let's I, talk new. Man, who. I love that kid. I love that kid so much. I it, so at the end of the day, I know he's brand new. He was playing at S two last year, and uh, he got promoted to the to the big show, and provided a consistent presence at left back for S two. I'm sorry for for the for the mothership basically ever since the exit of Joven Jones. While his performances have been, yes, inconsistent, sometimes scary, it seems like he's graduated from wild 35-yard shots to actually having moments where he's 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 delivering very interesting passes into the box where he's uh, like in the last game there's there's a segment of plays where Lodero's kind of looking around trying to figure out where to go and knew who's like there's a channel right there man and he runs up the left hand side and and actually turns into a pretty decent uh, pretty decent play anyway I said all that to say this what is your take on on Tolo Nuhu do you think he's actually going to work out at left back long term is he the is he the permanent option uh, for this team and uh, or is that a, a pretty significant liability for us going forward Nuhu is a very interesting case I was anti Nuhu up until the Vancouver playoff match in Vancouver last year I went up to BC Place and I watched, he was my player to watch the entire game because I said Vancouver is amazing on set pieces and they're, they're, they're great on crosses, getting it in into the box and knew who's going to have to be on his mark all game. And that was the first game I watched where I fully believed that knew who is a starting caliber center, uh, excuse me, starting caliber fullback in MLS. He was great that day in Vancouver. But and, he, and frankly, he has matured. He's matured to a sense, because that was always the issue, is maturity. And he has matured, and not maturity personally, maturity playing-wise. Yeah, of course. And, and he's gotten to the point now where he's shown that. There have been a number of games. The Atlanta game for the Sounders just recently, he was fantastic. And, and there, has been, there has been moments where you look at Nuhu and say, God, he is such an awesome fullback. He is going to be the left back of the future for this team. He could even, you know, be sold to Europe at some point because he's that good. Like New has had these moments of brilliance, and he had a couple moments of brilliance against San Jose. Yeah, but the majority of the time have been difficult for him. He can continues to look like a young player who needs to learn so many things, and we've heard the same from Brian Schmetzer. But he, how old is he? He's a kid. He's well, a kid. he may or may not be old enough to drink yet. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We really don't know his true age. That's another good point. So, uh, ultimately, with new, we don't know his true age. Yeah, okay. I mean, all right, I mean, fair enough. Or, or no, maybe no. Sorry, I, I'll take that back. I'm thinking of a different player. Uh, but listen, Obafemi like Martins is 55 <laughs> yeah. years old. Yeah, there was <laughs> there was somebody else I'm thinking of that was on, on this team earlier this year. Where we didn't really know his true age. Yeah, yeah. But but all 21 uh, June 23rd. Yeah. Is his so birthday. listen, the kid is. He's still, you know, trying to, you know, figure out exactly all the right things to do. His high steps is, you know, constant. And uh, he has moments, great moments, but he also has moments where you wonder what's going through his head. Yeah. And, and, the, and to kind of go near answer your question here, 
there has been too many of those moments. And I think it's difficult to rely on Nuhu long-term at left back the way it is now. I think he has a high potential, but he needs to play a lot more and he needs to really kind of formulate his game and sculpt his game into an overall more of a rounded player, not as more of a, you know, an attacker. He loves to get in and send those crosses and send those 30-yard shots. He's gotten better at not doing that, but he still has these moments where you wonder if he's really all there in, in terms of a guy who can play and be a starting caliber left back here with the Seattle Sounders. Here's what I would love to see happen. This is my you know, dream perfect scenario for what the Sounders do, is that Garth Lagerway has said he wants to bring in an attacking player this transfer window. I would love to see him bring in a left back this window. And maybe it is only like, God, a, the perfect situation would be like a loan. If they got a left back on a loan for like a year or so, or, you know, a guy like who's a only going to stick a, around. Like championship or you know, from a, a Central American team. Um, maybe even a European team. Okay. You know, maybe, uh, like shoot. Premier League let's, or Let's say Premier League. Let's shoot high and say Premier League. So let's okay. say. The perfect situation would be if Garth Logaway were to bring in a left back from a, from a Premier League on a on on a deal where maybe maybe jobber. it is only a focus of like you know a TAM deal for a one or two years or maybe it's a loan deal, you know. But give Nuhu the time down at S two to sculpt his game and give him and, and frankly like S two is important. That's not you don't just Absolutely. put Waylon Francis down there and you work with a depth chart. You put Nuhu down there instead of Francis and let. Francis continue to be the backup to let Nuhu get a lot of playing time at S2 throughout the rest of the season so that he can continue to sculpt his game because there is so much potential there yeah but he needs to put more time into it so we're seeing a lot of uh, uh, we're seeing a lot of Stefan Fry providing that that spot coaching of course and that I mean the way he does he just he organizes the back line really well and I see that that kind of on the spot coach like what are you thinking or hey that was really great thank you so much you know that kind of stuff um and and how do you think gonzalo pineda is interacting with the back line and uh how is that how's that coaching relationship working out gonzalo pineda is a fantastic coach from everything i've heard and everything i've seen (laughs) the guy you know it's funny we look at kind of like this coaching tree and everything that's going to kind of happen for and it has happened from like the last five years or even more like 10 years you know brian schmetzer was underneath Siggy schmidt just waiting and maybe even he didn't think that he was going to get this chance but here he did and now Gonzalo Pineda is in this position as well where he's learning from Brian Schmetzer so that when Brian Schmetzer eventually departs and Matt Pence wrote an amazing article with The Athletic uh, about a few weeks ago maybe about a month ago where where Brian doesn't have a lot of time left you know it's not like he's going to be the head coach of the Sounders in 10 years sure but but there is a point in the future where you could see Gonzalo Pineda take over as the head coach because he is a big reason why the Sounders defense and 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 I would even say back six, including the defensive midfielders, are as good as they are. Is because Gonzalo Pineda is so active in I that coaching. You know, like we, we go back to we go back to DeAndre Yedlin, and we see a player that's young and fast and hungry, but we didn't ask him to do a whole lot for one season, two seasons. Just you know, go steal the ball, run up the field, give it tomorrow get back now can we ask new to do the same thing where let's not complicate things now as far as as far as the uh uh you know schmetzer being on his way you know he got a couple more years i'm sure they're going to try to 
not make the same not make the same mistake that they did with Ziggy, where we just held on to him like one and a half, two years yeah. too long. But it worked out great. I mean, it, those other years were tough, but you know, 2016, we got a ring out of it. And what is what is Ziggy's uh, or not Ziggy's darn? What is Schmetzer's? You know, what's he going to do for work? Is he going to continue to coach? Is he going to go back to the uh, the yeah the academy or Crossfire or Seattle? It's a great question. I mean, listen. I mean, Matt Pence kind of went over it with Schmetzer at, at a bar. I want to say in the in the article, and and kind of went over how he Schmetzer is very aware, and he's such an intelligent guy. He's very aware of, of the time he has left in this game, at, at this level, and I would assume that he's going to continue to be part of the Sounders in some capacity. At what position that is 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 hard to never know, but. I mean, ultimately, like, the way it shapes out right now is is I don't think that the Sounders... It's difficult because he did win a championship for this team, and he is a big reason, big reason why the Sounders are, are have made these last two runs these last, these last years because he is a great molder of people. He understands people and human beings and what motivates them and how to deal with them. He's an outstanding coach and, and, and manager of personalities. And, and at the end of the day, in any organization Not. where you're leading people, you're yeah. leading people. And you have to understand people to have an effective organization. Exactly. No so, matter what. So I think that's that Brian, the core of it. Brian stays on for a while. Yeah. But it, it, would re, it would take a lot, I think, for them to fire him. And I don't think it would come. I've, I think what eventually happens is, is he just says, I've had a great run. I've won a championship or maybe more, fingers crossed. And I'm going to step down and be part of the organization in a yeah, small we seem, role. We've, we've said on the show we expect him to fall on the sword before getting fired. I yeah, can, I, I, would, I, would, I would say the same. I think he's going to be part of Seattle. I'll say that. Yeah. I mean, I think, listen, this is a guy who went to Nathan Hale. You know, he is, yeah. he is as Seattle as <laughs> I, I think he is the, he's the epitome of Seattle soccer. Yeah. You know, he's a guy who's been in this, in this sport, in this city forever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the Seattle Times did a did a uh, 10 most important athletes in Seattle history and if they could have done coaches then then Brian Schmetzer is so clearly on there it's not even close he is he is the person that I look to most and I say it is because of him that the Sounders went to -to back-to-back MLS Cups he's amazing so the mothership is looking pretty good. Um, S2 uh, just started the second half, and already Las Vegas lights are down two men. So I, I don't see that we're we're going uh, with two red cards subsequent to each other within a couple of minutes. I don't see that that we're necessarily going to lose this match, but but we're not having a great year with S2. How Jackson do you think the Sounders front office is is viewing the relationship between S2 and S1? Well, they definitely want S2 to succeed. Yeah. I think for sure. I mean, S2 right now, it, you can look at it like a feeder team to make sure that, you know, we just talked about Nuhu, you know, making sure that a guy like like Nuhu can go back down there and get time in. They care about that, definitely, but they also care that S2 is doing well. So it definitely is, is a shame that the team isn't having a better season. I will say, though, that the future of S2 is, is bright. I mean, I had Mark Nichols, the Academy Director, Director of Player Development on uh-huh. Sounders Weekly this last week. Yep, yep. And it was a great conversation he and I had. And the U-17s just won the U.S. Developmental Soccer Championship. Oh, yeah. Uh, just fantastic for this organization to go and win that. There is so much talent at the U-17 level 
from Ray Serrano to Alec Diaz to Alonso Ocampo Chavez, if I can say that correctly. It really is a tongue twister. Yeah, Alfonso Ocampo Chavez. Um, There are so many outstanding players on that U17 team that either they are currently on S2 or they will be on S2. Alec Diaz, a player who has 26 goals in the season, they're en route to the championship. He scored in the quarterfinal, he scored in the semifinal, he scored in the championship match. He is a huge goal scorer. They also have some very good defenders on that U17 team. But then you also have guys on the S2 team now that get called up to a lot of national duty. Uh-huh. I mean, this big Sam Rogers Sam is, Rogers. is, is We're the big ask you name. About that. I mean, that yeah. is, that's a guy that I envision. I don't know how many years it'll take. I hope it's sooner rather than later. I know he get, needs to get a little bit more. And Wade Weber is definitely helping with that into the toughness and the grittiness of, of, of MLS center backs. We, 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 we really feel like within one or two years, he's going to be a Chad Marshall quality re- replacement. I would hope so. I would absolutely hope so because he has the potential to be there. Yep. So S2 very soon is going to be a dynamic scoring team with a lot of these U17 kids who aren't there yet who are going to eventually very soon get to S2 and then make huge impacts on the offensive end. So ultimately, S2 is just facing the downturn, and they will have the upturn, and that comes from a lot of these U17 kids then going on. Because the U17s, listen, they won the championship 5-1. to 5-1. to one. They aren't only the best U17 team in the country. They are by far by a long margin the best U17 team in the country and those kids are going to go to S2 they aren't going to directly go to the first team no no which means S2 which means S2 is going to be good for a while yeah with these kids and the developmental academy as Mark Nichols was talking to me about is a program where they start these kids at age 8 and they start playing them at 12 and 13 so S2 is going to have a great team for a while I'm, I'm curious I mean there's been some developmental some academy players do we have rights to these guys or are they going to come through the system and then sign for PSG or <laughs> some other team and, and not Get even minutes. hit yeah. the mothership Weston McKinney Weston McKinney what about him are we going to be in a situation where uh, players go through the academy and then just bypass S2 or S1 altogether you know, it's a difficult question. That comes down to rights, of course, and, you know, what what the guys have, you know, in, in terms of options. Um, for a guy like Alec Diaz, major goal scorer throughout this last season for the U-17s, a guy who has just immense talent. He scored in the championship game for the U-17s, and it was just an absolutely incredible goal. There's a, so much potential there for him to go up that you wonder – if, if, another, if somebody else is going to jump in. I, I would like to see him play with S2 and then get a chance on the first team. Uh, I, I'm not sure where his rights go right now, honestly. I, and, a, and a lot of those guys, too. You know, I know some guys are with S2 right now. Ray Serrano. Ray Serrano, a guy who has a tremendously bright future. You know, that's a guy who could be, who could be on the first team in some time. You know, but it'll take a while. It'll take development at S2. And hopefully, as we just talked about, there aren't injuries that force him to come up to the first team where he then has to, you know, waste his time sitting on a bench instead of getting starts at S2. So hopefully that works out for Ray as well. You know, but for other guys, I'm not sure their right situation. But it is a danger that another team jumps in and says, you know, from from overseas and says, we're going to offer this. We're going to offer you X amount of dollars for this kid. 
you know, and, and the money is too good to pass up. Vancouver Whitecaps, $22 million for Alfonso Davies. Alfonso oh Davies, yeah, Alfonso Davies would have been, you know, the Vancouver Whitecaps best player for the next X number of years. But it's $22 million. But they don't need that. They that's, need the $22 million. That, and that's going to help you win right now. <laughs> so, so ultimately, you know, it's a difficult question. I hope they, they have the rights, and I hope those kids are able to develop it as two, and then take the time that, that they need to then develop and get up to the first team where they are ready to play MLS soccer when they eventually get here. Can we say that some of the, the, the problems that S2 have had um, are due to the mothership signing uh, development players to fill first-team roles? That's a difficult question. Give me an example of a, of a certain guy. Um, so Felix Jenkum, uh, just in recent months, he's been a bright spot for uh, in the attack for, uh, for S2. Um, he was recently signed to the first team never to be heard from again apparently yeah. okay um it, it, yeah. it, so that's an example yeah, so uh, another example of course is is new who um in in a perfect world he's spending another couple years down there before he comes up is that is is he both suffering from not having the appropriate level of development and being put into that first team role and is s2 suffering for not having him at left back a, so on word, and so forth yeah in a word yes and that's a perfect way to put it now that you i kind i kind of see where you're going yeah with this. yeah and a lot of it is actually funny enough because, you know, S2 being closely associated with the Tungkumar Rainiers, it's so closely associated to what the Seattle Mariners did with Mike Zanino. Right, right. A guy who absolutely should have stayed down in Tacoma a yeah. long time, but Jack Zarenzik brings him up to the Seattle Mariners, and it hurts the Mariners, it hurts Tacoma, and it hurts Mike Zanino yeah. by yep. bringing him up there. But they needed analogy. him. They needed a catcher up there yep. at, at the major leagues, so they brought Mike Zanino up there because they couldn't sign anybody. I mean, I, I, for the first team, it's a little bit different, but it's similar in the sense of they, the forward depth on this team was so small earlier in this season that you're looking at you were looking at one point at a injured Will Bruin and Clint Dempsey who's playing out of position, and that's it. And injured Jordan Morris. <laughs> you know, you needed another guy there, so they bring up Felix Chinkum. And he fills that backup role, and he's still there. And you know, we'll see how that changes, where that goes. But it's a it's a symptom of injuries. Yeah, it's a symptom yeah. of depth. It's and and, and you're right. It it's, does. It hurts. It hurts S two, and it I hurts mean, Felix because yeah. Felix would be better at S two. He'd be better sitting down at S two, getting a lot more playing time, getting a lot more chances to score goals and succeed down there at S two, and also. It would be better for his development to have time there, actually playing games, starting in games. He still gets practice time, but regardless, he needs the time actually playing and scoring. So I think you're absolutely right. It's a symptom, very simply, of the injuries that the first team has faced this year, which is a symptom of playing two straight seasons until December, then CONCACAF, and having guys who you know are on you know just a little bit more time. Yeah, not gonna lie, I'm 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 watching Callie Brown and I he does not he is impressive by size and just ability to kick the air out of the ball. By the way, um, S2's up three nil right now. <laughs> Helps when you have two red cards. <laughs> That's not always the case. Sorry but to interrupt. Callie Brown doesn't really doesn't look like he's gonna pan out. I don't know what Tommy Dutra can do. And Tommy and really quickly, Tommy is the best goalkeeper coach in this nation. He is unbelievable with the job that he has done over and over and over again. 
to 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 make Stephen Fry one of the top goalkeepers in this league, and then the to make top. Tyler Miller I mean. get to such a level where he is the top pick in the expansion draft. Tommy Dutra is fantastic at what he does. Who would you put above Stephen Fry in this league? Just throwing it out there. If you had to, if you were your your arm were twisted and you did not have allegiances, I'll go Guzan. Really? Barely. Really? Barely. But okay. I mean, frankly, like it's. Uh, okay. He's, he's really good. Uh, Guzan's really good. I mean, as far as goalkeepers, I. Who's got the best? Tim, Tim's a goalkeeper, well, by and, the way. And Tim, you know, I mean, frankly, Tim Howard isn't there anymore. No, no, no. no Tim I, Hamilton. Oh. T- Tommy Dutra was my goalkeeper coach in college. <laughs> oh, well, how about that? He stole my warm-up top. I never forgave him. <laughs> I didn't even know that. And my uh, World Cup 1994 uh, CD. Bastard. Yeah. Was it signed by? No, it wasn't. No, it was, it, it, he won't admit to it. Uh, um, so, no, I, as goalkeepers... I don't, I don't see, I don't know, sometimes you just, same with Callie Brown. I mean, you, you, look, you can look into the eyes of a player, and, and sometimes you just, you just see that the lights aren't, like, you, you're great athletically, but you're not a great organizer of the game. You know, I, I'm looking at Stephen Fry, and he's got, like, he, is, he has no whites of his eyes. It's just all friggin' like, like a shark before. Yeah. It's phenomenal. He is just a machine. Yeah. He is the T2000. He is either the best or the second best goalkeeper in this league. Yeah. Bar none, hands down, game over, end of story. Well, Thank I mean, you. We, we talk, uh, and it's bumming me out that things just worked out. We, like, we've had him on the show earlier in, in the year, and and just the, you know, we talk about how the World Cup has really screwed up uh, uh, Kellen Acosta's chance of getting sold. Like, what about like right now, Fry is going to get lost in the dust. He's going to get yeah. lapped by uh, the kid from from Columbus for no other reason than he just didn't get his chance to get on the field. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Who's the? Uh, well, what's his name in Columbus? And he is the future of U.S. goalkeeper. Yes, and that's what my problem is: is that that Fry has a couple years on him, and then he got uh, he he finally got a nod when Bruce Arena took you know took over it, the thing was is he wasn't committed to being Zach Steffen Zach Steffen Zach Steffen he wasn't committed to getting you know he wasn't committed to being playing for the US men's national team he got co- he got courted by Bob Bradley way back but he still thought that he was going to hold out and maybe Switzerland and give him a call so let me jump in here with Zach Steffen so Zach Steffen in Columbus is right below Steffen Fry for me in terms of goalkeeper quality he's the future of US goalkeeping but I still think Stefan Fry is a better goalkeeper than him. But I think you're right in the sense of like Stefan Fry. It, it's just it's a matter of age, you know. And it's it's a shame because I think Stefan Fry he had his chance in what was it 2017 with the U.S. Just it was very very brief. Twisted an ankle in the pregame Ex- cupcake exactly. Cupcake. And it, you know it was just it was it was a chance that that could have been should have been. But he has you look at Stefan Fry. If he hadn't been in the MLS Cup either of the last two years, in 2016, they lose by a lot in regulation. In 2017, they lose by probably four or five in regulation. I mean, Stefan Fry is the reason that this team has an MLS Cup. He's the reason that this team has gone to two MLS Cups. And there's more reasons, too. But I think he's number one because of the amazing saves that he's had. You know, he, he is consistently the guy that locks it down and leads on that defensive end. The way he commands that back four, because you're so right on Callie Brown. There, are, There's other goalkeepers who can make an impact, but nobody can do what Stefan Fry does from the leadership aspect of yelling at guys, yes, leading guys, that. and making that impact just 
from a from a total field of 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 there's so many different dimensions to what Stefan Fry can do and and by God, I hope he stays the Sounders keeper till till the day oh. that he hangs up his cleats. But may, honestly, maybe him getting his green card and joining the U.S. national team, and becoming a citizen, maybe that's the problem with us not being able to use those Garber dollars on him anymore. Because the targeted allocation money is mostly for foreign players, right? Whatever happened to those retention funds that they speak of? I mean that that whole story about the TAM dollars not going to Jovan Jones and Stephen Fry is something that I haven't spent spent too much time on my show on on Sounders Weekly. But Questions I can, for Garth. I, I will only and and, and 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 you know, we talked to we talked to Garth a little bit about it. he couldn't say much. Um, but ultimately it's it's a matter for me where I look at it and I say if the league sorry, I'll, re- I'll rephrase. Who is the league to go to a team and say we know more than you about the quality of your players. We know more than you about what guys should be TAM players and what guys shouldn't be TAM players. It is horrible that the league is able to go to a team and say Stephen Fry and Jovan Jones aren't quality enough players to be signed the TAM deals. It is inexcusable. It is horrendous by this league to do that. And there has been more cases than the Sounders, many more cases, as oh, yeah. Paul Torino wrote in the, in the Athletic, his article. It is just pitiful that the league, and and by that, Joven Jones is over in Germany, and Stefan Fry isn't on a TAM deal. It's it's terrible. I think we need to have a GoFundMe for Stefan Fry's. Yes, contract. we do. Yes, we do. Buy some of his artwork. Um, any parting shots about uh, anything that you'd want to share about um, your or KJR's relationship with the Sounders and and how you're enjoying uh, how that's developed so far? Yeah, I guess I'll just say this. I mean. We got the rights, and this is our first year having uh-huh. the Sounders broadcast on KJR, and it's been outstanding. You know, from from our pre and post games to the to the matches with Matt Johnson and Sounders Weekly, working with the Sounders staff again, Alex Caulfield, Matt Winter, Kelly Schultz, they're fantastic to work with and, and get player interviews on. And Garth Logaway has been so gracious to to give me his time every single week to have on Sounders Weekly, 7 p.m. on KJR. If you're going to listen live, iHeartRadio app, just search Sounders Weekly. If you're going to listen on the podcast. And it's been so much fun to work with them and be part of this, you know, adventure. And it's it's kind of cool because it's been a tough season for this team. But once again, we're seeing another turnaround. And I fully believe that they're going to make the playoffs. And with additions that are coming from Garth Lagerway, then I don't believe that there is a better team in the Western Conference right now. So I fully expect another run, and we'll see how far this uh, this bird can fly. Wait, you said with additions coming from Garth Lagerway, we've got more more signings coming this year. Well, I mean, he said he wants to bring in another attacking player. You know, we we don't know who that is. Yeah, but uh, but we know that he wants to bring in another attacking guy. Yeah, and and you know, he said way earlier on before he brought in Rui Diaz that there was potentially one or two TAM signings. So I don't restrict it to one. Maybe he brings Certainly in not. another TAM attacker and then somebody else. I mean, I, I don't... Know, I like your idea of the of the TAM defender, maybe. I mean, Nuhu's great. I love him. I think he's going to work out long-term as a yeoman defender. But like a perfect situation would be like yeah. a left back on a loan yep. to give Nuhu that one year to, to sit in S2, yep. craft his game, yep. and then once that loan is, is over, Nuhu well, comes back up. And because of Nuhu, if Nuhu falls right Right now, what are we? What are our options back there at left back? Waylon Francis. Woo. Yeah. Woo. Tony O'Farrell. 
<laughs> no, guys, but it's been it's uh, been an absolute Eric, pleasure. So thank you so much. So I, I loved I loved doing this, uh, and I, I look forward to being back here on the podcast again. All right, uh, Jackson Feltz, uh, KJR Radio at Jackson KJR on the Twitter. How else can people reach you? Uh, that's really it. My Facebook is pretty private, so fair enough. Uh, I locked down on the Twitter at K- at Jackson KJR. Perfect. Um, yeah, and just uh, I, I always love to take questions from people and put them onto Sounders Weekly. So if you have anything, uh, you ever want to ask Garth, shoot it my way. Fantastic. I, we will definitely do so. We we have questions every week about about some of the decisions that are being made. Do so. we have any listener questions? Um, I didn't see any, but you want to take a quick look? Uh, Dudes B asks during the LA. Oh. Galaxy Donovan dynasty years, they usually have a slow start to their season. Um, teams that play late into the offseason CCL just don't get their legs back until midseason. Teams that, that play late into the season don't have an offseason and then start really, really slow like we did in well, 17, 16, 18. We're going to be all right. Yes, this team is going to make the playoffs. I fully believe it. And listen, this start would not have been what it was if Jordan Morris had not gone down with an injury. So much of this team is based around having a fast guy up there where you can stretch the field and you, Nico, finding those pockets, you know, to, to get a guy. And Jordan Morris is, does an exceptional job of putting himself in between the defender and the ball. And not having that guy at the top of the field changes the, altogether the way you play. So, so Jordan Morris being out is what caused this stretch here at the start of the season. And you have Jordan Morris back and you have a healthy Rui Diaz at the start of 2019, you're going to have a fine start of 2019. I, this start of 2018 is not what you're going to see in the first five months next year. It's, it's a symptom of the injury. Who is going to be off the books to start 19? So probably Dempsey, me, Dempsey, Ozzie. I would expect that Dempsey. I don't know about Ozzy. Listen, the guy is is tough as nails. He, he and looks he is great. Such a, I mean, this last game, he looked fantastic. Exactly. And, he's such an he's aggressive and, 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 and huge defending piece on this team. I would fully expect that he could be back next year if the deal is right, if the money is right for, for Alonzo. I mean... He already went from DP to TAM. Um, the money was still the same, of course, but it's just the labeling that changes, yeah. of course. Okay. Um, you know, the, the, the deal may change, and and the number has to be right. And, and that kind of comes down to a number, guys. I would also watch what happens at center back. Okay. You know, that's an interesting position because Chad Marshall has taken a ton of knocks. Yeah. And the dude could absolutely still play next year. But I, I wouldn't blame the guy if he then said... I've taken enough hits in my MLS career. I've won a championship. I have Defender of the Year yeah. crowns. Uh, I'm gonna just, you know, say peace. I, yep. I could, I would, ex- I could totally see that. You know, at the same time, if Chad Marshall comes back, then he's gonna always be the Chad Marshall that you expect him to be. Roman Torres is an interesting case. Could you know, with with the with the new Kim being here now, could Roman Torres go, or can yeah. he be sold? You know, that's what we were thinking maybe before that he might have been sold to Mexico. Yeah, it, it's interesting. So we'll watch that. Um, you know, otherwise. You know, looking at other looking at other players, I think that 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 attacking foursome or what you know could be a I guess a fivesome theoretically is is interesting because of the way of the way that that they shaped this thing through with potential new signings. So we'll see what happens going ahead, going into next year. Uh, I think a lot of it comes down to simply you know who at what price. Gustav. Yeah, he's he'll be back. Yeah, he'll, yeah. he'll be back. Oh for God, sure. please. He'll be back. I hope so. All right. Um, so Steve from Tacoma asks, uh, what is Harry Ship's problem with Brian <laughs> Meredith? 
Blame that on Nate. Why didn't you just say Nate? Yeah. How come he got ghosted on uh, on the high five? He's literally looked at him. He's like, nah, fam. I don't think I've seen that. You didn't see that? Sounders retweeted it, man. I don't there's think a, I've there's, seen there's, that. There was video of, so Harry Ship's kind of wandering around and like high-fiving people. This is that for San Jose? Yeah. And then Brian Meredith's like, yo. And Harry Ship literally looks him straight in the eye, turns around and walks away. <laughs> but the best part is our boy, um, uh, 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 Honey Badger, Ozzy Alonzo, captain of the team, just turns around and like, I got hand. you, man. <laughs> <laughs> fingers are like, yeah. Oh. And, and like, seriously. All I know is Harry Ship's a great guy. I've talked to him a number yeah. of times on Saturdays Weekly. He is such a, he such a fun guy to talk to. must have been punchy or something. So there must have been something, something going yeah, on. Yeah, there was something. Yeah. At any rate, uh, the last question we have is Rod Gooner 79 asking, when are we going to have a listener call-in episode? <laughs> when you're uh, ready to give out your phone number. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> um, it, it, but, yeah, I mean, that's that's a little bit Maybe above our technical capability right now. I'll try to figure out a um, – uh, I listen to a daily call-in show, and uh, they do a really good job with it. I'd love to be able to do something live like that. I think that's that's very dependent on a live. Uh, I'll just uh, tell you this, Steve. So I, I did a college radio show at yeah. Seattle Pacific University, and it required me using my cell phone for calls. So I gave out my number, and it was an internet radio show, and my number got out there. Oh and, God! And and I still well, but I probably ended about two years ago. I get like I, a I would still get like texts from people saying you suck and and all these all these <laughs> terrible messages. But I have we no idea use, who it's from. We can use your number then. <laughs> we'll, we'll have Rob Gooner come on. I deleted our show. all the episodes, so you can't find it anymore. But uh-huh. yeah, <laughs> Gooner, come on the, the show. Yeah, never give out baby. your number in public. Hey, uh, this is the Flounders B Team podcast. I've been Steve Kettleson. We're very happy to have Jackson Feltz from KJR on with us. Of course, uh, the perennial host, never missed an episode, Mister Tim Hamilton, Muffin Top Model. Uh, you can find us at Flounders B Team. Yeah. The Flounders B Team is a production of Channel 253. You can find other such podcasts as the Nerd Farmer Podcast, Interchangeable White Lady, Taco Man, Crossing Division, uh, Move to Tacoma, and other fine podcasts. Check us out at channel253.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. This is Channel 253. Hey, Half of the show, if you haven't noticed, is me just trying to mess him up. It's yeah. fun. Yeah, it works fun out. Like we it. have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, exactly. Um,